Good morning, church. That was a great uh, testimony of God's goodness, wasn't it? You know, God is always, always faithful. He's always good. We were just talking about that in prayer a minute ago. Uh, You know, I don't know how you came in this morning. I don't know if you woke up with praise on your lips or if this week was difficult and you had a hard time seeing God's grace and his mercy in your life. But, I mean, God is, God is always good. Amen? Amen? He's always good all the time, no matter what's going on. Um, you know, I was reminded this morning that, uh, you know, one of, one, of the, one of the real keys to living a successful Christian life, and it's, it's not about numbers, it's not about programs, it's not about having a big church, it's not about how many people you've discipled, it's not about how many people you've brought to Christ, it's not about uh, how much material possessions you've been able to accumulate in your lifetime, it's about, it's about ministering to the Lord. Do you know that we can minister to God? The Bible talks about that. The church in the book of Acts ministered to God, and that's why there was a heavy filling of the Holy Spirit upon them. They weren't even ministering to each other, but they were ministering to the Lord. How, how, how one may ask, how do you do that? You do that by simply praising him, worshiping him, opening up your mouth and, and expressing your gratitude for what God has done in your life. You see, a lot of times we're like, it's hard. And I get it's hard. A lot of times we're like, woe is me. I get it. But the reality is the Lord is trying to direct us to praise him, to honor him, to worship him. Because when we get our eyes off of ourselves and our circumstances and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, everything else begins to change in the sense of you see what's really important. And when the Lord gets a hold of you like that, he can Turn your heart a different way and your mind a different way so those circumstances are not beating you down and sucking the lifeblood out of you, sucking your joy away. Amen? Amen. Um, This is how the church of Acts was used so mighty and powerful. Powerfully is because they ministered to the Lord. And I, I would encourage you this morning, wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, minister to God, praise him, worship him. Um, it's not only in, 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 in word, but also in action and what we do, right? Our, our, our lives need to line up with what we say. You see, a lot of times we lack the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and, and we're ineffective as believers because our, our actions don't line up with what we say we profess. And we're going to learn about that today. And, and, and that's, a, that's a big reason why there are gaps and holes in our walk. So if you want to have a fulfilled walk, a fulfilled lifestyle in Jesus Christ while you're here on earth, minister to him, praise, honor, and worship him in thought, action, and deed. Amen? Amen. I mean, it's, 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 it's simple as that. It's not, it's not all this other stuff. We, we just need to take it back to the basics. Amen? The basics is what's going to get us to uh, a, a, very, a very good place in the Lord. All right. Um, 
with that, we're in Revelation chapter 12 uh, this morning. We'll be in verses 7 down through 12. I actually, I thought that I was going to be able to get through this, um, <clears throat> this chapter in, 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 in two messages, but that's not happening. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, part two, and Lord willing, the Lord tarries till next week. We'll, we'll go through uh, the last few verses, and we'll, we'll wrap up chapter 12 next week. But for now, we're in Revelation chapter 12. We're going to go from verses 7 down through 12. And when you get there, please stand for the reading and teaching of God's word. I'll pray. We'll get into our message. Once again, this uh, message is entitled The Woman and the Dragon Part 2. I'll start reading at verse 7. And it says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Verse 11, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you that you have taken the veil from the eyes of our hearts. We can truly see uh, how you are so relevant in all of life. You are life. You are everything that we are supposed to be. And we're so grateful that you created us. We're so grateful that you created us with the purpose. Father, you've redeemed us, Lord. Uh, you've given us the opportunity to be redeemed, Lord. We have redemption in your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, you've given us life today to continue on in this earth and to Spread the good news to those who need to hear it. Father, would you please help us rightfully divide your word? May you show us the, the right context of what this, the, these verses are in and how this is so applicable to every single one of us today. May we not take it lightly of the great warnings that we are given so that we can, um, <laughs> we, we, can get, uh, we can get victory, Lord. We don't have to live in defeat, Lord. May we walk out of this building victorious. Lord, whatever whatever things are trying to bind us, Lord, I, I, I pray that, Lord, in the power of Jesus Christ, those things will be broken off now, that you would silence the whispers of the enemy, that, that people's minds would be focused on you, Lord, and, and hearts would be, be clean and, and ready to receive what you have for them today. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in your son, Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, that's a quick recap. So last week we looked at how the Lord God Almighty has loved his creation deeply even before time and space, right? We, 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 we come to this understanding. We believe that we serve 
a triune God, God, the father, Jesus Christ, the son, and the person of the Holy Spirit. Right. I can't explain it any any more than that because it's too great for my my little mind to understand. The Lord has revealed that to me and I have faith to believe in that. He exists outside of space and time. He has no creator. He is the creator. I can't explain that either. <laughs> Got to go back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. We, if we wrestle with that, then we're going to wrestle with everything, every other statement that's going to come from any true believer that's going to share the word of God with you. But if we have peace with that and trust that God is who he says he is, then he lives outside of space and time. We're in three dimensions. He's in whatever dimension it is. And he has created all of this, what we see. He's loved you and I. Anyone who is a true believer, anyone who will humble themselves and gladly receive the gift of salvation that his son Jesus Christ offers for the remission and the forgiveness of sins, he loves deeply. I mean, it's to the point even where you think, you know, God's not happy that anyone's going to perish. God's not happy that people are going to go to hell. He loves people that are going to go to hell. But you see, he also created people with a free will. And so people who are going to end up there are going to go in their own admission because they refuse to accept this free gift that he offers. But even before the foundations of the world, God has loved you with a love that we, we really don't even, we're barely just scratching the surface on how deep his love is. Because, you know, as I sit there and I, and I, and I, I hear Michelle sing and Isaiah uh, play the guitar and I look at the, the words on the screen and I hear the words that are being sung, it's like, man, like I need to be jumping out of my body every time I recognize how, how, how grateful I am that God has saved me, like the, the, the depth of understand, understanding what I've been saved from. My depraved state. I, I look back on my life and I'm like, I, I, I was such a depraved person. I'm so glad that I'm not 43 years old, still living a lifestyle in, in, entrenched in sin. I don't even think I'd be alive to tell you the truth. I think I would have already been dead. Uh, the way I was living, but to see how salvation came to me and the Lord took me out of the muck and the mire. And I, I think you can say that about yourself when you just look back upon your life. Just think for a minute where you were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, five years ago. Look where you are today. Is God not great? Does, does, does God not deserve all honor and glory? Every moment of your life should not praise be upon your lips every breath you take? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we, 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 we sense this more and more. And it's such a great thing that, again, God has loved us before the foundations of the world. We also learned last week, again, I just mentioned it, that he created everyone with a free will. We have the free will. We have the ability to either receive his love and forgiveness and to love him back or to reject his love and say, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Um, you know, I heard a message this morning and, and it's, it's funny because there's, there's usually typically two trains of thought when it comes to sharing the gospel. It's, it's one people receive and say, yes, I, 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 I totally receive and I, and I understand and I'm grateful for the love of God. Or people say, nah, I'm good. The worst place someone could be, and, and a lot of times, and I, I, I could be wrong. 
I only have the framework of, of seeing here because I live in this country. But there's a lot of people that have a third stance on this where they're just indif- indifferent about it. And they're like, meh, you could be right, but I don't care. <laughs> have you ever run into people like that when you share the gospel with them? They don't flat out say, no, get away from me. I, I don't want anything to do with you, you Christians, man. You're always trying to talk about Jesus in the Bible. But they're just like, no, you could be right, but I mean, I don't, I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't. I'm, you see what I'm. You see how I'm living. I'm. I got all kind of other things going for me. I'm not. I'm not interested. And I think that's the worst pay, place to be because we're so deceived into thinking we're okay because we have X, Y, and Z covered, and it seems like we have all of our ducks in a row. But that's only by the world standard. At the end of the day, when we all pass on from this chasm or pass that this chasm to the next and we, we move on to uh, eternal life, we're all going to be accountable for what we did with Jesus Christ. And how did we receive him? Did we receive him at all? And if we received him, what did we do with him? Today we will take a closer look at the actual events that took place leading up to Satan and his dismissal from heaven, if you will. He was kicked out. We're going to look at what actually went on and what led to him being kicked out of heaven. We will learn about the implications of that event and how we can remain victorious in the face of opposition. Today, you can remain victorious. You don't have to take L's, as these youngsters say. (laughs) You don't have to take L's day after day in your Christian walk. You can have victory over Satan, yourself, your flesh, (laughs) sin, you can have victory over all those things. Amen. All right. The first main point is this. Though Satan is a defeated foe, he will continue to fight back until the end. That baby knows that. You know, know, those are those those are those groans. That, that only the Holy Spirit can distinguish within a person. It's like, man, Satan, this punk. I'm like, I gotta, you know, I gotta walk through this life dealing with this dude on my helmet all day long. Yes, it's part of living the Christian life. You see, we start off our text this morning, and the first thing that you will notice is that there was a war in heaven. wasn't just a fight. wasn't just like throwing fists. It wasn't a battle, but it was an all-out war. War in heaven. But wait a minute, someone might say. I thought, I thought in heaven there, there's nothing but peace continually. What's going on? Nothing bad goes on in heaven. There's, there's, no, there's absolutely no sin. Well, yes, that's true. But again, we have to go back to before the foundations of the world. And then we'll find out that there was war in heaven. There was something that went on. There was some kind of disruption that occurred. And this is what we see going on, what's taking place. You see, because of Satan's rebellion against, and and God has so many names. You know, there's so many titles, a great I am, El Shaddai, Elohim, uh, you know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. I mean, either way, God, the true and living God, no counterfeit, the only one. Not a deity, not some, a figment of someone thinking they heard from God, but the true and living God. Satan's rebellion against him started a war that broke out in heaven. 
You see, we must understand that God is holy. We understand that the word holy means set apart. We are the iglesia. We are the church. We are the called out ones, right? If you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, you are called out from among the world. So you get to partake in that holy nature of God, that set apart nature of God. But you see, God, in in, in all of his divinity, he is set apart from all of his creation, He is the only one who has no creator. That means he has no flaws. There's nothing. There's no blemishes. There's there's nothing that you could could pinpoint about God to say he is wrong. And see, that's that whole thing we go back to. We need to praise and worship God, even in, obviously, in the difficult times of life. Even in the great times of life, we should praise God. Uh, In the difficult times, because sometimes we can get embittered and we start thinking, well, God, you allowed this to happen. What's wrong? There's nothing wrong with God. We have to understand that it is in our brokenness that he builds us back or recreates us and builds us into a, a new creation. Amen. And even in the good times, he, 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 uh, worshiping him helps to keep us grounded, you know, because then we start getting big heads and start thinking we got it all together. But it's like, man, on your best day, you need Jesus. If you're living today right now, you need Jesus right now more than you've ever needed him in your life. You see, if we don't think that way, we have a we have a skewed perception of what a relationship with God is all about. Right. I need him way more than I needed him two weeks ago or two years ago or 20 years ago. I need him so much. I'm so dependent. I'm so dependent. But that's the best place to be. That's the safest place to be. Is under the wing of God. Be the apple of his eye. Right. That's what that whole verse was. It's Psalm 17, 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me beneath the shadow of your wings. Wow. The apple of your, his eye means that's like the, that's the most that's the most sacred, sensitive spot. Keep me that way. Lord, I want to be protected. I want to be in you. I want to be in you to where I don't have to. I don't I don't have any worries anymore. I'm not worrying about nothing. I'm praying about everything. I'm leaving it at your feet. And that's it. I'm not losing sleep over nothing. It's what we need. But yes, the Lord God Almighty has no flaws. He's perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And because he's that way, he can't look upon sin, let alone dwell amongst it. He can't be a part of sin. It, 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 it's, it's, it's just something that's just, it's, it just doesn't mix. His holiness and, and, and the sinful nature of beings cannot cohabitate. They are not on They are not getting together. It's just not going to happen. It will never happen. And you see, pride, pride, being proud, being boastful is at the core of sin. Pride is at the core of sin. And this was the great sin that Lucifer committed. You see, God Almighty being holy had to eradicate sin from his presence in heaven. And this is the, the reason why war broke out in heaven. As we see, Satan and his demons were soundly defeated, but they didn't go quietly. They fought back. They fought back until they couldn't fight back any longer. Once defeated, he and his demonic followers were cast out of heaven and sent here down to earth. But you see, aren't you glad that God's faithful angels outnumber Satan's followers. You see, the scriptures only says one third 
of the heavenly angels were persuaded to follow Lucifer in his rebellion against God. That means that there's two thirds left of good, faithful angels. You see, we are not outnumbered. And like Michelle, I believe, was alluding to this morning, you know, we can think, oh, man, life is so hard. And and I'm not trying to downplay the things that we go through. I know the things that we go through are real. They're raw. They hurt. They're difficult. But again, we have to get our, we somehow, through a supernatural working of the Holy Spirit, we got to, at some point, Get picked up, get our minds calibrated back on what's important. And when you see, man, two thirds of the heavenly hosts are still faithful to God. You don't even know there's myriad of angels that are protecting you and watching over you. You probably were in a situation where you were on the freeway this this week. You didn't even realize it was an angel that kept some car from sliding into your lane and just messing you up. And you would have been done. You would have been a wreck. All kind of stuff. I mean, I can go on for days. There's so many little things that we don't even think about, but that's God's provision. The fact that a couple weeks ago, my brother, one of my brothers had a mini stroke. And the fact that whatever was messed up in his, his, his brain or his head that pinched whatever nerve or whatever that caused some blindness in his left eye, the fact that it didn't go full on, man, that was a blessing right there. Some people be like, what? How's that a blessing? He had a mini stroke. Oh, he could have died. <laughs> it could have been it. Finito, finished. Is that Italian? Finito. I have a, I have a client that always tells me, Keefing, is it finito? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's so many provisions that come from the Lord, and we just need to stop and look and be like, man, Lord, how you've provided time and time again, how you've kept me, you know? Through the difficulties of life, he's still brings you through amen if you're sitting in a seat today he's brought you through it may not be the way you want it to be but he's with you he's going before you he's behind you he's on every side you see we got to understand and know the things that are given to us by having a relationship with god and that would help us to not be so stressed out when we when we have when we're tempted to be stressed out by the, the, the difficulties of life that come upon us so readily. Amen? This whole point of, 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 of uh, one-third of the, the angelic hosts following after Satan. But this, this, this explains exactly why Satan fights so hard against God's creation here on earth. You see, Satan looks to disrupt and corrupt the work of the Lord here on earth. Our enemy will not stop fighting against us until he is sealed in hell forever. You see, the reality is if you are a true born-again believer, you could never lose your salvation. But you can be rendered ineffective from the torment of the enemy if you come into agreement with the attacks of the enemy and if you don't know how to disarm the enemy in your life. This is why it's so important that our belief is followed up by how we live. A lot of times we think it's the enemy when a lot of times it's us. It's us living super weak Christian lives, having no spiritual disciplines, not not building ourselves up in Christ. You got to ask yourself, do you give God the first fruits of your time 
every day? And if the answer to that is no, then I'm here to tell you straight up, you're doing yourself a great disservice. You see, we make time for what's important. If we give God our best, he will give over so much more. I mean, I've ex- I experienced this in my life. You know, someone asked me a while ago, are you burnt out? I said, far from it. We're a small church. It's not like we have a lot of people teach. I don't bring people in, you know. I don't think I've brought in any guest speakers, you know. It's myself, Lou, or Daniel. Those are the only men right now that currently teach in this church. I bring that up because the only reason I'm, allow- I'm able to do this week in and week out is because I keep short accounts with the Lord. I have a close relationship with the Lord. Am I perfect? Far from it. Do I have plenty of issues? Ask my wife. <laughs> she was telling me this morning, it's like, I got I to gotta start shaving and doing all this the night before. Because even when I get up at five in the morning to try to shave and get ready, it's just not enough time. So there's always something. But, I, but my whole point is this. My whole point is this. We have to engage in our walk with the Lord. We have to be proactive in our walk with Christ. Because in that, there are so many things that are brought forth and how we can have continued victory and success against the enemy. Because he's constantly scheming in our lives. He's constantly trying to render us ineffective. You can still go to heaven, but it's like, man, it's like the, it's like the, the servants with the talons. And the one, who, he was given one, and he's like, oh, you were a shrewd master, and I knew it, so I just buried it. That's ineffective. And that has to do with Jesus. That has to do with the word of God. That's, that's in context of what it's talking about. It's not about money. Because who's really a value? What's really a value in this, in this life? Jesus. And our relationship with him and the information we have about him and how we can share that gospel scripture that will cause a person's life to be totally eradicated and changed. And and, and the bad going out and the good coming in, like the story we heard that Michelle spoke about earlier. That was just through a radio station that's Christian based. But it's nonetheless because the word is real and it goes forth and it doesn't come back void. But you see, if we don't develop spiritual disciplines that we need, we will be rendered ineffective. So know that there's hope. <laughs> it's just like an athlete that trains. Maybe you had a bad season. Bounce back. Bounce back. You know? Bounce back. If we can train our bodies to physically be, like, just really good, we can do the same thing spiritually, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, right? But it takes effort. It takes effort, and it takes having the right framework. But you know that all the tools that you need are at your disposal. They're all found in Jesus. It's not, it's, it's, it's not no magic trick. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure it out. He uses dumb, foolish people. I'm a foolish person that's up here. He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. That's what the Word of God says. So you don't have to be super sophisticated. You don't have to have a degree. You just have to have a heart that wants to know Jesus more. Amen? The second main point is this. In Jesus Christ, we have all the victory we will ever need. Verse 11 of our text is clear that followers of Jesus Christ have overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You see, we don't need any more counseling sessions. We don't need more medications. 
we, we don't need any more self-help groups. We need our faith to grow and to trust that Jesus Christ is the answer to all of our problems. Amen. I was just talking to, um, I still keep in contact with Nick uh, Lamont. I was talking to him uh, the other day. And it came up of, you know, well, how are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing good. How are you doing good? Because when your relationship with God is right and it's unhindered by sin, I'm not saying that we're perfect. I'm saying there's no besetting sin. There's no habitual sin. There's no lifestyle of I'm sinning. Again, once again, our beliefs, our words line up with how we actually live. When that is real and when that's right and when that's clear and that's clean, even when people around you are trying to cause havoc in your life, you're going to be good. (laughs) Even when people wish death upon you, you think that there's not people out there that can't stand you. But if your relationship is right vertically with the Lord, and you've heard this analogy before, then horizontally your relationships are going to be good even when people despise you. Even when you get into tiffs with your spouse or with whoever or whatever, whoever it may be. It's like at the end of the day, kids, it's like, Lord, uproot this seed of bitterness within me so that I can be right. And then you're good. You see, that's the one thing. This is this is a side note, but this is a nugget of truth for you to take with you. Take it or leave it. But one thing that will truly hinder your walk with the Lord is bitterness and resentment. You have to be willing to forgive always unconditionally, even when you're right and they're wrong. You have to forgive. You see, we become boastful when we're right and someone else is wrong. And we're like, no, but I'm right. Humble yourself. Humble. I'm speaking to myself, too. I, I want you guys to know when I'm preaching, I'm not, I don't hope you guys don't take it like I'm just like preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself. I'm speaking to myself. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me in this. Humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and at the right time he will exalt us. That humbling means even when you're right. You don't rub it in someone's face. You don't, you don't get back. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, not ours. It's not our job to, 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 to boast about how we're right and someone else is wrong. But see, th- those things are so counterculture. The culture doesn't teach you that. They teach you, nah, they're wrong. Stick it to them. They need to know who's boss, who's the man up in here. <laughs> That's what the world says. But Jesus says, no. You, you, you go meek, you go humble. <laughs> oh, and sometimes that's very difficult. I'm like, ah, <laughs> Lord, really? But he's like, no, nah, man, you need to have an authentic religion, an authentic relationship. Don't be fake because that's what we see a lot. Again, it's that whole what I say and what I do. Does it really line up? Does it really line up? If the blood of Jesus Christ has defeated Satan, then that means if you and I align ourselves under the banner of Jesus Christ, we are victorious. I mean, it's not it's not profound, but it really it really is. If the blood of Jesus Christ has defeated Satan and we align ourselves with Jesus Christ, that means we are victorious. That means nothing can hinder you in this life. How, how is your walk with the Lord today? Are you walking in victory? 
Are you walking in victory? It's yours for the taking. It's there. Jesus is like, man, trust in me. I'm trying to drag you out of this. I'm trying to change your mindset. I'm trying to show you that you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You see, aligning ourselves with Jesus Christ by pledging our allegiance to him alone will grow in our relationship with him. And as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, our faith in him grows as well. This means that as our faith grows, our trust in Jesus Christ grows, right? That's not too difficult to follow, right? That's what it is, right? We trust more and more that he has ordained our steps and we are not easily moved by the schemes of the devil. You see, you're going to live out. I'm going to live out exactly the exact moment of heartbeats and breaths that I'm supposed to live out. <laughs> I'm not going to die any sooner and I'm not going to die any longer. I'm not going to live any longer, right? So, so, so the things that happen, we, just, we have to learn to, to take these things in stride and understand that this is part of the tribulation you're going to face to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, um, we know that we have brothers and sisters all around the world that are getting killed right and left, right? For, for not uh, denouncing the name of Jesus Christ, right? We know that, right? It's going on for real, for real, for real, for real. People getting heads chopped off, put it in prison. I don't really see nobody getting put in prison in America. We talk about, I got a hangnail talking about, ah, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> and it's like, we, we got to get a little tougher in our walk with the Lord. You know, we got to get a little, we got to get a little hard nosed about this thing. And this, is, this has been heavy on my heart. This whole thing of the army of God, man. Army is real. It's raw. You think of the think of the men and women that serve in the United States Marine Corps or any form of the military. Man, they they go in. That's just how it is. I'm not I'm not making I'm not trying to make uh, Christianity seem legalistic or regimented. I will say there is though a level of of commitment and discipline that is involved in a genuine Christian walk. And you will you will start to shriek back away from certain things that don't line up with Christ because you don't want to tarnish and 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 and, and dampen your witness, and you don't want your relationship with the Lord to sour. And but that those are part of those spiritual disciplines. Again, it's, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, so it's not material things. It's not a physical fight, but there are spiritual disciplines that we must develop in order to be good soldiers in God's army. You know, it's just the truth. It's just the truth. You see, many times when we are in difficult situations in life, we tend to look to everyone and everything else but Jesus Christ first. When the reality is, if we would just look to Jesus Christ for the wisdom and direction we need in every circumstance, we would be far better off no matter what we face. That is just the, 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 that is the truth. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. It's a beautiful thing. The third main point is this. The devil's time is short, and so salvation is today. The day of salvation is today. You see, since Satan has been soundly defeated by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he knows his time is short. The eminent reality for him is eternal torment. That is the reason why he is running around trying to cause so much suffering as he can. Any person he has convinced that Jesus Christ is not real or doesn't love them is a victory in his book. 
This is why for those of us who have been saved, we are commanded. It's not, a, it's not an option. We are commanded to spread the word of salvation through Jesus Christ to all we come across. This is the only one that anyone can be saved. There are not many ways to God the Father. There is only one, and that is his son, Jesus Christ. This is why Satan is working overtime trying to convince people that there are many ways to God. Oh, you can, <laughs> you can go this way, you go that way, you, can, you believe in this God, believe in that God. No, no, it's not true, you see. But we must remember that, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren and he is a deceiver. If we are not daily in the word of God, growing our, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, fellowshipping with other believers, we could be setting ourselves up to be deceived. Matthew chapter 24, verse 24 tells us, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Wow. I believe we're part of the elect. <laughs> that means if we're not on on game <laughs> if we're not on par with what the word is telling us on a regular basis we could actually be deceived that's i wouldn't say scary but that's a great warning don't you love how god gives you so many warnings he's like look hey man hey man <laughs> get with me because the enemy is going to try to deceive you i don't know how many of you have been tried to uh, be, uh, who has deceived tried to deceive you this week but i'll, I'll raise my hand I see the deception a lot of times from, from off afar now. It's crazy. You know, like, I can sense that unclean spirit, and I'm like, uh, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Let me not engage in that. <laughs> Let me not engage in that, because then I'll end up getting all huffy and puffy, and I, I won't get into it. If you want to you want to hear about it, we could talk after. But there was some stuff that went on with my work this week, and I was like, mm. But I could sense it. That unclean spirit trying to get me roused up to start, you know, joining in on the conversation. And it's like, no, Lord, I don't want to do that. All right. Seven and eight verses seven and eight. Going back to this war that arose in heaven. Um, now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels. They fought back. They fought back. <laughs> but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Again, um, this is about the midpoint of the great tribulation, this time right now. And, and, and God will turn the tide against Satan first in heaven, then on earth. Um, again, this battle took place and this will deny Satan access to heaven. We see Michael and his angels. I'm not going to spend much time on this at all, but I'm just going to clarify this because for some reason, I don't know why, <laughs> but there's like speculation about this. Some people believe that this is not Michael, but this is Jesus Christ here fighting against satan um you know but this is wrong on every account okay because michael would not rebuke or accuse satan uh, on his own authority but only say the lord rebuke you okay this shows that michael isn't jesus because jesus often rebukes satan and demons in his own authority and there's a bunch of scriptures that tell you about that matthew 17 18 mark chapter 1 verse 25 uh, mark chapter 9 verse 25 luke chapter 4 verse 8 i mean i can go on and on we don't we just don't have the time to to, to go about that but just Search the scriptures. It's all there. Um, you're sensible people. The text says Michael. It's Michael. It's not, it's not Jesus, okay? We can all agree that this is Michael, one like God, not Jesus Christ. This is why we must know the word, love the word, study the word, live it, right? That's why we need, we need to know. We need to know the right, correct doctrine or else again, we're like, oh, man, I heard it was <laughs> people go off. It's crazy. 
But this is a dramatic scene of a battle between good angels and bad angels, faithful angels and fallen angels. Who fights this battle? Well, it's truly a battle between two equals. The dragon represents Satan, and Satan is not the counterpart of God, right? God has no counterpart. He is the creator of everything. If anyone, Satan is the counterpart of Michael, excuse me, the archangel, right? Who seems to be the chief angel opposed to the chief of the fallen angels. So why is this battle fought? In a previous scene of conflict between Michael and Satan, you can read about this in Jude chapter 9, Satan wanted to prevent the resurrection and glorification of Moses because he knew God had plans for the resurrected and glorified Moses. You can read about that again in in Luke chapter 9, verses 30 and 31. Here's another occasion where Satan wants to get in the way of God's plan for the end times. Well, when is this battle fought? This battle occurs at the midway point of the seven-year period as described in Daniel. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Oh, baby, I hope you feel better. I hope you feel better. Yeah, I can't stand when tears is like that. I'm like, oh, girl. No. Veronica's like, stop babying her. I'm like, that's my princess. <laughs> Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. It says, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there, w- uh, there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Okay, next question we ask about this is how? How is this battle fought? Because battle in heaven, what's going on? And we know this is a real fight, but is it a material or spiritual battle? You see, our battle with Satan and his demons is spiritual, fought on the battleground of truth and deception of fear and faith. We know this from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the cosmic powers of the present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. In regards to material attacks against the believer, Satan and his demons were disarmed at the cross. So those things we know are true. Amongst angels, I'm going to be real, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It's possible that there's some kind of material battle fought in a way we can only imagine. If you've ever uh, heard of a, a, a poet from a long time ago, his name is Milton. If you look up his name, and, and he has a poem he wrote called Paradise Lost. That's kind of like his description, or if you will, uh, of what he thought you know, it, it would be, that this battle between good and evil in heaven. Um, but that's all I got to say about that, because like I said, I truly don't know. <laughs> uh, lastly, we see here, nor was there a place found in uh, in heaven for these fallen angels any longer. This shows us that up until this point, Satan did have access to heaven where he accuses God's people before the throne. We know about this from Job, Job chapter 1, verses 6 down through 12. Uh, it talks about that. If troubles, it troubles some people, right, to think that Satan has access to heaven because of the mistaken teaching that God can can uh, can allow nothing unholy in his presence. But the Bible clearly says that while Satan appeared on earth and described him as a prince of the power of the air, it also says that Satan has access to heaven where he accuses God's people before the throne. And see, this is one of those things where you can just get caught up and just go down a rabbit hole for days. It's like, no, let's just understand that God has 
his ways for whatever he allows to see fit and for whatever reason he does allow Satan to go before him and accuse the brethren and we just need to trust in that and at the same time God is holy and can't be a part of anything that's ungodly that doesn't mean that that's a contradiction that just means that that's outside of our our scope of understanding because scripture never contradicts itself and so I just have to clarify that because some people they get weird about that that's with the book of Revelation you can go down a whole bunch of trails and you just miss the point of what the book is really about. Okay, uh, next verse 9, it says, And the great dragon who was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Okay, he was thrown down and cast out. This single verse uses many different titles for our spiritual enemy, including dragon, serpent of old, the devil, Satan, and he who deceives the whole world. Okay, these titles describe Satan as vicious, an accuser, an adversary, a deceiver. He's not a nice guy. <laughs> it's not somebody you want to buddy-buddy up with. It's not someone you want to be like, yeah, I'm cool with you. Because you know, there's people that run around acting like that. Satan worshiper? What? Outright? Like willingly out of your own admission saying you are a devil worshiper? You know, San Francisco, first church of Satan. That's crazy to me. What are you guys thinking? But then the Lord has to show me, yeah, we're, we're depraved people. <laughs> Devoid of the Holy Spirit, we're going to do despicable things. It's just like what they did with Baal and their sacrifice of babies. All kind of craziness and all the other stuff I don't have to talk about. You go back in the Old Testament, read about doing stuff in the temple that should never be done. You guys talking about, you guys are godly? What? Fulfilling every sensual desire you want? Ugh. But, but this is what's going on. So this is, this is a picture of this character. And he hates you. He hates you. He doesn't like you. He's not your friend. It's never going to be a party in hell. No one, he doesn't get away scot-free. Nobody that goes there gets away scot-free. The title devil is from the Greek diablos, from the verb diabla, diablo, excuse me, which has the meaning of defaming or slandered. He is the ultimate accuser of God's people. That's what he does. He accuses. You know, that's why we, that's why we have to be aware of what's going on because we don't want to, we don't want to end up you know, we, we don't want to take on those traits. You know, we don't want to find ourselves, you know, gossiping, accusing, pointing fingers. What? Because then you start looking at you like, man, I'm taking on the characteristics of the devil. What the heck? Or we start lying. You know, I used to lie so much when I was a kid. I lied. My mom was like, dude, I can't, I can't trust anything you say because you lie all the time. That's why I lied about everything. And little did I know, I mean, I was a character trait of Satan. I was just getting worked over as a little kid. Yeah, Satan running game on me so hard. I was so deceived. You know, we find ourselves starting to lie. That's never a good thing. Always tell the truth. No matter what. No matter who it hurts, tell the truth. No matter how much it hurts you, tell the truth. Amen. Because we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't, ugh, we don't want to emulate that, that, that character. He's not good. He was cast down to earth. You know, the, the Bible describes four different falls of Satan. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, describes the second of these four falls. Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 14 down through 19, describes Satan's fall from uh, glorified to profane. 
Job chapter 1, verse 12, and 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 21. There's a bunch more. They describe Satan going from having access to heaven to restrictions on the earth. Revelation chapter 20 describes Satan going from earth to bondage to the bottomless pit for a thousand years, right? He's got to go there for a thousand years. It's not over yet because he's going to get released for one last hurrah. And then um, finally, also in Revelation chapter 20, we see Satan going from the pit to the lake of fire. And that's it. The lake of fire. That's it. That's that's Venito. That's finally done. That's finished. That's a put a cap on it. He's done. He's toast. That's it. Luke chapter 10, verse 18 tells us, And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. This refers to either the first fall of Satan from glorified state to a profane state, or it is a prophetic look ahead to the second fall in the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation period. We see here that also his cronies, uh, they were cast out with them. This indicates that demonic spirits are indeed fallen angels, those who joined with Satan and his rebellion against God. These are his angels. These angels are also the same as the one-third of the stars of heaven described in Revelation chapter 12, verse 4. Since Satan only drew again a third of these angels, we know that there's two-thirds of good angels left that are faithful. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. The application is this. If you are a true believer and follower of Jesus Christ, and your belief is identified by your obedience, then you are on the winning team. That's where the rejoicing comes in. That's where the stress rolls off your back because you're like, man, I'm, I'm on the winning side. I know how this ends. I know my good, good father is going up to bat for me. I know Jesus Christ is my defender, my, protect, my protector, my provider. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. You see, I say, again, belief accompanied by obedience because they are truly one and the same. You can't truly believe in Jesus Christ and be an authentic follower of him without obedience. James chapter 2, verse 18 tells us, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. Remember, even the demons believe. And that's why obedience is so important, because even the demons believe. Remember, uh, old boy with the, with, with the legion of demons in them, they said, you know, they knew, they believed who Jesus was. They said, don't send us yet. Send us into the pigs. All right, last two verses, 10, 10 down through 12. And it says, and, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our Lord God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accused them day and night before our God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their own lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. This is, this is, this is the great part. This is, like the, this is like the crux of the message right here. So uh, please listen up to this. It says, I heard with a loud voice, Whoever is behind this loud voice, it is some representative of redeemed humanity, not an angel or God, because the voice speaks of the accuser of our brethren. You see, the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before God day and night, he's been cast down. Satan's work of accusing only ends here when he is cast down from his access to to heaven. Today we need 
an advocate. Praise God, we have one, the Holy Spirit, but eh, Jesus Christ himself. But we need an intercessor who intercesses, who intercedes for us. Jesus is at the right hand of God right now. <laughs> you know, all the services that already happened, he was praying for everybody up in there. He's praying for you and I right now. He's praying for you on your work. He's praying for you with your kids. He's praying for you everywhere you go. I mean, the God of all creation, he's praying for you. Isn't that such a beautiful thing? I mean, that's so great. It's such a, it's, it's, it's all these tidbits, these nuggets of truth that he's trying to reveal to us. to like, get us like, man, get pumped up. Be good. You, you, you don't have to be in fear. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 and 26 tells us, consequently, he is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Speaking of Christ, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. That's who you serve. Man, amen. That's who you serve. That's who I serve, the true and living God. And they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. This tells of three keys to saints' victory over Satan. First, we see they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb. The blood overcomes Satan's accusations. Those accusations mean nothing against us because Jesus has already paid the penalty of our sins, what we deserved. Amen? You see, we actually may be even worse than Satan's accusations, but we are still made righteous by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Once again, this is where we need the Holy Spirit to give us the correct context of this passage. You see, it's important that we don't regard the blood of Jesus in some kind of superstitious manner. It's not some magical potion, and it's not the, liter, the literal blood of Jesus, literally applied, <laughs> uh, that saves and cleanses us. Yes, his blood had to be shed, but we have trek with me here. It's not the literal blood, because if that were so, his Roman executors splattered with his blood would have been automatically saved, Right? We're not rocket science, right? The actual number of molecules of Jesus's literal blood would limit the number of people who could be saved. He only had so much blood. He was human. He was, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like this big old, you know, sea world tank of blood. It was just, I know, kind of gross, but I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, right? <laughs> this is the reality, though. The application is this. The blood speaks to us of the real physical death of Jesus Christ in our place on our behalf before God. That literal death in our place, that literal judgment he bore on our behalf, that is what saves us. By the blood emphasizes the death of Jesus Christ. He not only suffered, he died. You know, they didn't just spit on him. They didn't just put a, a, a crown of thorns on his head. They didn't just mock him. They didn't just scourge him. He died. They tortured him, and then he died. But then he rose again. And that's the whole premise of the blood of Christ. Of the Lamb emphasizes the substitutionary work of his death because the Passover Lamb died as a substitute for others. The blood of Jesus heals our troubled consciences because we know that by his death, our sin is atoned for. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 tells us, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? 
How does the blood of the Lamb conquer Satan in the life of the believer? This is something we need to understand. It works first because his victory is our victory. This is why Jesus Christ had to come in the likeness of men. He triumphed in our nature and on our behalf. This is why rams, bulls, goats, lambs would not appease the wrath of God. Those creatures were not created in the image of God like humans. So Jesus Christ, being God, came to earth in the likeness of his creation so that we may inherit his substitutionary death. Do we understand that? That is the importance. You see, that's what people don't explain. And people are weirded out like, well, how, how the heck? And why were they doing this? And why were animals? Well, this is the reason why. This is why it works for us. Because Jesus Christ came as a man, 100% God, 100% man. It works because the work of Jesus on the cross for us is the ultimate demonstration of God's love. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells us, But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A constant remembrance of the blood of the Lamb assures us that every fear Satan whispers in our minds is a lie. The application is this. We use the blood of the Lamb or the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in spiritual warfare. You see, it's not a Christian abracadabra. You can't chant the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ, like it's going to keep away some vampire with garlic. That's not how it works. Rather, it is our understanding that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross as our substitution wins the battle. And we see here it says, overcome him, meaning Satan, by the word of, our, of their testimony. The word of their testimony over, overcomes Satan's deception. Knowing and remembering the work of God in their life protects them against Satan's deceptions. As faithful witnesses, we have a testimony to bear. And this is what we have to remember today. We have to remember what does the word say and what does our testimony say about how faithful God is. If we, if we believe this and we understand the truth of who Jesus Christ is, we will overcome Satan by the testimony of our witness, of our faithful witness to the Lord. Lastly, it says that they did not love their lives unto death. Loving not their lives, overcoming Satan's violence. If they do not cling to their own earthly lives, then there's really no, no threat that Satan can bring against them. You see, a lot of us struggle with, I don't want to get hurt physically. But the Bible says we should be more concerned about the one who can not only take our life physically, but also allow us to go to that dark place. And that is God, right? Satan doesn't have that power. So if we regard our physical lives as, you know what? I'm not losing that much because I know eternally I'll be with God. I'm going to die anyways. I might as well die, die faithful to God instead of being a rejecter of God. Then you're going to be okay. And I have one more point as Isaiah and, and, and uh, Michelle come up. Will we love our lives to death? Will our physical lives be the most precious thing to us or will we find our life in losing it for Jesus? You see, Satan's power is real and terrifying, but not because he is triumphant, but because he is beaten and has a short time left. I'm going to share this quick story real quick. It's, it's, there was a missionary and he found... Uh, a, 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 a big snake in his in his in his in his living space, and so when he 
opened the door, he found this, like, it was like an anaconda or something in there. And so he went back to his truck. <laughs> he got his shotgun. He went in. Boom. One shot. One shot. It was a fatal blow to that snake. He closed the door and, and, and stepped back for a few moments. As he stepped back, in the dying moments of that snake's life, it caused the most damage that it had done in that house because it knew its time was short. And that's the same thing with Satan. Jesus Christ going to the cross, laying down his life, going to the grave, resurrecting, and now seating at the right hand of the Father was the death blow to Satan, the fatal blow to him. And so now his time is short and he's wiling out trying to do all he can, but he is a defeated foe. May we be those who cling to Jesus Christ in all, seasons, in all seasons of life, in prosperous times, in lean times, in rejoicing times, in times of mourning, knowing that we are victorious through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you once again for your word as it's gone forth. We trust that your word doesn't return void. We love you. We praise you for your goodness. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen.